Hello and welcome to the week seven review for first and ten. I'm Ollie once again. I'm joined by Ash. Ash, you doing all right, mate? I'm doing. It could be better. We're four and three, not five and two, which is a little bit annoying. But we didn't very didn't really show up uh, this week, so I am. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly in the happiest of moods after Sunday's game. Fair enough. I'm pretty much on cloud nine. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Enough to say it's a yeah. six and one. I've not I've not seen these heights before, um, and it took the nerviest win of the season so far against all the teams. It would have been against against the Jags, but um, yeah, we'll get onto the Giants in a bit. But that's safe to say I'm pretty happy with where things are going currently. Yeah, definitely, I would be as well. Um, so we'll start off with Thursday night football. Saints at the Cardinals. The Cardinals managed to win this one. Um, it's, I suppose it wasn't really a surprise. I guess it's... Um, what, I mean, this is the thing. Andy Dalton being that prime Meridian average quarterback. No, He's not going to win you games. He's not going to lose you them. Um, and to be fair, they scored 34 points. Like They didn't put up a bad showing. Um, but Kyle Murray and... Cardinals offense just proved too much I guess but also you know great defensive performance to make some key plays there yeah I think the defensive performance obviously a lot of people said about the fantasy option though um, they were saying oh did you start the Arizona defense on Thursday night because they obviously put up the two touchdowns um, defensively I thought they were great um, Dalton was his usual inconsistent self you kind of get like a it's like uh, went mark two isn't it with Dalton so you kind of sometimes you you get the yardage and you can get the touchdowns but you also get the bad times where you've got their interceptions and obviously keeping hold of the ball and just being safe with the ball it it, it makes even if you don't play particularly well it obviously will keep the scores down and it, it's there were just crucial mistakes really from Dalton which obviously uh, made Arizona the winners of this one but their use of Kamara has obviously not been great this season. And they're kind of in a little bit, like I mentioned last week, they're in a bit of no man's land at the moment, obviously, because the trade with Olave, they haven't got a first next year. So, and salary cap wise, they are, whew, they are way over next year. So it could be interesting to see if they might maybe be looking to uh, 2023, 2024 and say, right, maybe we need to clear some of these players. So, it might not shock me to see. I mean, I don't know if they'll get rid of Kamara, but it might not shock me to say if they could try and get rid of Thomas or get rid of someone like Lattimore or someone like that. It's a big name, really, to start clearing off some of the cap because the Saints just look... I expect them to be better, to be honest, because they're normally a well-drilled team, even if they haven't got some some of their best players out or they've had some injuries, but they just don't seem with it. Maybe it's the Sean Payton thing. I don't know. But, yeah, it's... Uh, Arizona need to sort of kick on from this now because they're not really, they haven't really found their identity yet. But hopefully if they can string a couple more wins together, then then that NFC West becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah, they are in a pretty tough spot, the Saints, at the moment. You've just, you know, just not long ago that they've lost their franchise quarterback and their, you know, uh, head coach who's been there for years, taking them to a lot of success in terms of, you know, at least going deep into the playoffs for many years um, I mean and, and maybe it's sort of underrated the problems I, I think we all sort of thought they'd be a decent team but um, yeah in a weak NFC they're not looking even average to be honest um, the Cardinals 
decent effort, I guess. It's one of those... Um, it was nice to see Hopkins back, and yeah. I, I think Kyler definitely uh, seemed to appreciate him. Went to him yeah. 14 times, caught for 10 catches, over 100 yards on his first game back. You don't see that a lot. Um, and you contrast that with uh, Robbie Anderson's first game for the team. He didn't, he didn't even have a catch. So they're definitely working him back in, um, or at least in, and and then DeAndre Hopkins just straight back into the team and flying. Yeah, Hopkins, he's he's seems to just every like obviously we've had the suspension, but even when he was in Houston, it seemed to be that even if he had an injury or he didn't think he was quite match fit, he would still absolutely put up numbers. So hopefully we still see a bit of this from Hopkins because there's been a lot of wide receivers and that that have really fallen off a cliff in the last few years and I'd hate to see Hopkins do it because I, I really love, loved him at Houston obviously he was he was been balling out in Arizona so it's good to see him back yeah absolutely um, on to perhaps one of the games of the week uh, the Browns and the Ravens um, I mean it was I guess it was one of the games of the week because it was just it, it really came down to the end there I, like you generally thought it could have gone either way. Um, but to be honest, rare case of Lamar Jackson being shut down by a team here. And you wouldn't expect it from the Browns' defence necessarily, would you? No, it's been... Cleveland have, have been a bit hit and miss. I think having Garrett back fit helped. And I think that they, they got a couple of players that, that overperformed in this game, a couple of the linebackers. Um, but I think that it was a. It wasn't a pretty game to watch, to be honest. I think Jackson was off. I think that Andrews not being a hundred percent fit is obviously it's like his blanket. He he goes to him a lot in the passing game, and you could tell that Andrews wasn't a hundred percent fit. All week they were saying, "Oh, he might not make it." Limited practice, etc. And now we've obviously got the news as well about Dobbins being out. So Gus Edwards came in, did well, but I still think that 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 like we mentioned before about the Rams rely so much on cup. The Ravens do rely a hell of a lot on Andrews. And when, if he wasn't that fit, which obviously he seemed to not be that fit with a, what one rush for four yards and no targets at all. So then, well, two targets, but no receptions. That is not, that's really un-Baltimore like. So I think that that they did really miss him this weekend if he wasn't a hundred percent fit. So that kind of limited Jackson to, Obviously, them nine completions only. So it, it was a bizarre, bizarre win for Baltimore. But I think they'll take that after the few losses that they've sort of had in the last sort of like two or three weeks where they've lost by that one score or team came back and nearly beat them, etc. So it was they just got it over the line, Baltimore, but it wasn't pretty. Yeah, I mean, this is the Ravens attempting to get this habit of throwing games away and then it gets to the last few minutes and then it's a toss-up as to whether they can actually get back that lead they've just thrown away or, or you know, they do keep on losing it. Um, it obviously happened against the Giants, happened against the Dolphins. Um, they don't look Being sturdy. Like well. Yeah, What's they've got... They've got a very good team, but they're just... Um, they, I don't know if the mentality isn't there. Um, you'd think it would be with a head coach who's had so much success over so many years. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that they're a good team. I think that there's some injuries haven't helped them this year and stuff. But I thought McQ- uh, uh, Queen played really, really well. Um, and it's just it's 
just the thing with Baltimore that they sort kind of just seem to grind grind wins together and still are very a very competitive team, even though they might have some ups and downs. And they have got quite a few injuries. I think a report came out the other day that they're one of the most heavily injured teams at the moment with their players out. So and they're still a four and three team picking up wins. So fair play to Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. And on to the upset of the week. Um, the Panthers beat the Bucks twenty-one to three. I mean, I missed the trick here. Clearly, you know, it's not the interim coach boost that um that the team seemed to get. It's the trade away your star running back boost that uh <laughs> every t- the team seems to be benefiting from nowadays. Um, I mean, I never would have seen this coming, especially after you know a pretty lackluster display against the Rams last week. I, I suppose the Bucks, for whatever reason, aren't quite there yet. They've got all the pieces back, but they can't quite put the jigsaw together. Um, I mean, what's going on with the Bucks here? You can't be losing this badly to a team this bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's, that was a major, major shock. It's probably the shock of the season, to be honest, with how the teams have been going into games and lining up with Carolina now tanking this some tots, um, with some appeal. So. Obviously, McCaffrey's gone and they're just looking to get rid of some of their players. And then they go out there, put Chubba Hubbard and um, Foreman out there and they absolutely run all over Tampa, considering this Tampa defence is pretty stout against the run. And it just it, they just murdered them against the run. So I don't know if it was a case of Tampa didn't show up. I don't know if it was a case of, I mean, Brady's O-line wasn't great. Brady wasn't great. You had the Mike... Mike Evans drop. I mean, the list goes on, really. They couldn't get Fournette going. They kept getting free and outs. And then Carolina just dominated the possession. So it was such a bizarre game, considering about where these two teams you would think are at in there. One's chasing for the Super Bowl and one's chasing for the number one pick. And then one, the team with the number one pick, or presumes the number one pick, wins 21-3. to three. I mean, it was such a bizarre game that that's probably why we love the NFL so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those. You, this is supposed to be Brady's last season, is what we're all thinking. And you know, you suppose you you always want that dream moment of you go out on some kind of high. But if they, you know, keep on this track and end up not making the playoffs, I I kind of think he almost has to retire anyway because I I can't see them coming back from this and making a serious push next year if it carries on this badly. Yeah, I don't I personally think this is Brady Swan song. I think that I like there was a thing that there was more locker room sort of chit chat after this game. Um Tampa could really do with a bye week. Obviously it's still a long way off yet. Week eleven shit in order basically. Um uh, if they think they're gonna make the playoffs. Luckily enough, there's a lot of teams doing exactly what Tampa are doing. There's teams there like Arizona, like the Packers, the Chargers. There's like there's the list is endless at the moment with teams just playing really inconsistent football. So luckily enough for Tampa, they're in a division where Carolina, the Falcons, and the Saints are equally as bad. So three and four still puts you top of that division. Now, uh, someone's got to win that NFC South, and at the moment, I'd still tip Tampa to win it, even though they're playing bad football. Yeah, I mean, it really is a tough up, but like you said, they all look as bad as each other at the moment. So, uh, NFC South, clearly in the NFC, you'd have to see it. Um, on to the Falcons at the Bengals, a pretty one-sided game. 
Um, the Bengals look like they might be back finally. I'm still not convinced. Um, I'm holding. They obviously they got that you know deep passing attack back to where it was last year, but at the same time, it is the Falcons. Um, I'm not investing too much in it yet. I I I think I might have to just about put them back in the top ten of the power rankings. Um, but I'm not loving doing so. I don't know about you, Ash. Yeah, I, um, I'm already there, if I'm honest. I, I had the Bengals in last week. Um, I just saw there was enough that I saw there from Cincinnati over the last couple of weeks that you can see that this offense is starting to tick along, and um, which is pretty much what got them to the Super Bowl last year. So I think Burrow's starting to ramp up. I think he's playing really well. Chase was obviously different club weekend again. Boyd put up some serious, um, some serious yardage, one fifty-five and a TD um, on that sixty-yard one. Um, they, they are, they seem to be slowly getting things together after that sluggish start in the first two weeks. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati are the team at the moment that are kind of on song in that um, AFC North. So, we shall see. In regards to Atlanta, I mean, they. They run the ball at the moment against you. That's what their game plan is. That's what Arthur Smith does. He did it with Derrick Henry. Obviously, they haven't got a back like Derrick Henry to do it. But Mario only making six, um, eight completions, just that just won't get it done in the NFL. I mean, you just can't afford to have that and get, and think that your defense, even though Atlanta's defense is playing well at the moment, it's not going to be able to stop Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense if you're only completing eight passes. So. Falcons, they weren't really in it, if I'm honest. They put a bit of a bit of competition in in that second quarter, but after that, it was just the Bengals just just ran all over them, really, with the with Burrow and and Mixon and Boyd and Chase. Yeah, I mean that's it. It was almost the opposite of the Falcons game from last week, where they managed to get that early lead against the 49ers, and the 49ers passing attack wasn't good enough to claw it back. Whereas, you know, in this one, the Bengals passing attack was just too good. Yeah. Got them off to that early lead and the Falcons passing attack is, I mean, obviously, you know, they've got plenty of great players and Drake London and Kyle Pitts to pass to. But when Marcus Mariota has the ball in the sands, you know, it's a run first offense. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's just not good enough in the NFL, to be honest. Like, he's a great backup. Um, but he's not good enough to be able to compete with these high scoring teams now in, in, in the NFL, so yeah, I'll be. I would probably be thinking that Atlanta will be looking at one of the guys in the draft next year if they're going to probably be looking at that top ten pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On to the Cowboys and Lions here. Um, it, it's one of those you look at it and you think it's Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you see these two teams playing. Like, hang on, am I in November already? Um, but Dak Prescott's first game back, um, he was clearly, I mean, I I I definitely say an improvement on Cooper Rush. I don't know about you. Um, I like obviously Dak didn't have you know didn't set the world alight or anything, but um, he looked significantly better. I'd say, wouldn't you? Yeah, Prescott obviously is significantly better than Rush's. It was I think that they they weren't the Dallas that we know they are, which. Obviously, this is quite a high-powered offense when they get going. Obviously, offensive line-wise, they're not in the healthiest conditions, but they still mauled the Lions, to be honest. 
Pollard and Elliott ran through them. And obviously you've got C.D. Lamb, Noah Brown, put up some good points. And Schultz came back, which last few weeks he's been I don't under rush. It's not really worked. But as soon as Dak's come back in, you see Schultz's targets go up, receptions and yards go up. So it's this Dallas D, though. I've been saying it the last few weeks. It is this Dallas defense you could probably might rival sort of like the Rams, San Francisco 49ers in their just ability to turn the ball over. And obviously that that stems from uh, Parsons and Diggs again, just seems to know where the ball is and get these interceptions, which is just crazy. But the two, in the, uh, two interceptions and the two forced fumbles as well, I think it was. So yeah, this Dallas D at the moment, they are riding the wave. So, but once this offense catches up with this defense, Dallas could be, could be a dark horse, to be honest, to to get to that NFC Championship game. Yeah, you've got a feeling that it's only a matter of time. They've got the they've got decent enough weapons there that if that really gets going, then they can be a serious contender. And again, you know that NFC East is looking very very strong this year. Very um, strong, including and one of those teams including that, of course, is the Giants, the six and one New York Giants. <laughs> um, it's it's still difficult to get those words out of my mouth. It's um generally hard to believe. Um <laughs> probably the toughest win of the season so far. It was it really came down to the end there. Trevor Lawrence, you know, led a pretty good drive at the end of the game to potentially get the touchdown to tie with an extra point to win it. Mm-hmm. Um but the Giants defense held stout and some really nice plays from Fabian Moreau in particular. Um, unfortunately, he had a couple of them wiped out due to penalties, but he was just all over the um, receivers this, on this final drive. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, Giants managed to hold on um, and somehow are 6-1. I oh, know, it's pretty mad considering how the first couple of weeks was and I was standing there saying, this Giants team, I just think that they're not good enough. And <laughs> the coaches, what they're... They've sort of built this sort of locker room atmosphere and culture where they believe in themselves so much that it's gotten through these games. I mean, you're talking about it was like two inches from losing this game basically this weekend, but they still managed to that pushback of of um, Kirk right from the line. I mean, yeah. it was a it was a real humdinger of a matchup to be honest. It was going one way at one point with Etienne running the ball. And then Barkley in the second half put on the Jets. It was it was a, a really dogged display from New York. And sometimes you you wonder have they got that sort of dogged mentality to grind games out like your Baltimore's and your San Francisco's and stuff like that, where they have to win ugly. But they they are winning and they're winning well at the moment, New York. And anyone that's getting in front of them at the moment, they're doing their job and they're beating them. And I think this locker room that Dabble's created is really a turning corner for for the New York Giants. And I think that getting him in um, is the right way to go with, and then obviously kicking on if they can with some draft picks next year. And all of a sudden you, you might be looking at maybe making this playoff push a bit more consistency over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, it says a lot. You've got Darius Slayton and Wondell Robinson doing most of the receiving work and then not much else. It's, um, really pretty bare without the likes of Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard in that team. Um but you know what? They're getting it done. <laughs> They're doing the work. Um but yeah, it's 
amazing that last tackle, obviously on the goal line, amazing effort um to win the game. Um, it really did come just that close. Oh, like in- incredible stuff from this team who just seem to know how to win, which is not something I've been able to say about a Giants team for six years. Um, like I've seen plenty of you know, I guess okay football at points. Um, but yeah, never a team who sort of knows how to win like this. I've I've felt a lot of times in the past where we've been going, oh, we could have won here, we could have won there, and but now we're actually doing it. And uh, yes, I just got to come down to coaching this incredible turnaround. Yeah, it, it does come down to coaching, like you said. And as soon as that coaching breeds confidence, confidence in the NFL, it really does matter. And you, you know the teams that are riding high on the confidence at the moment with, like you said, like the Eagles and the Giants, etc. And like teams like the Jets as well. Like there's, there's sort of like there's an atmosphere around these franchises that and they're pushing on. And then you've got other teams where they don't know what day of the week it is and it's all going peak tong. And you've, some of them are three and four and they really they should be, they, sh- they should be winning more games. There's so much inconsistency at the moment in the NFL where a lot there's like two or three teams that are doing well, there's two or three teams that are doing really badly, and then there's just the rest that is just it's just a mess. So hopefully some of these teams can figure it out because some of these some of these teams are not producing good football at the moment. We hope hopefully uh, when we kick on to the like you said Thanksgiving and Christmas time, we'll soon know if these teams are actually good enough to be in this postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to two teams who might have figured it out. But um, they're still not really sure yet. Um, the Colts and the Titans. Um, Titans were nineteen to ten win here. Um, Derek Henry definitely seems to have gotten going. Thirty carries for him in this one. Um, you don't see a running back getting that much attention <laughs> these days. Um, I mean, it's incredible. Like to Ryan Tannehill barely had to do anything. This Colts team. They don't seem something doesn't seem right. I mean, clearly Frank Reich thinks it's Matt Ryan. Um, yeah. If you've seen the news, Sam Sam Ellinger, I I believe I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he he will be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Um, was Matt Ryan really the problem? Uh, I don't. We I was talking about this to someone just a minute ago, and I don't know if it's all Matt Ryan. I think what it is is they've brought Matt Ryan in, but I'm not sure if the offensive line and how the offense is set up works for Matt Ryan. He holds onto the ball for far too long, and that offensive line is not good enough to be able to keep him upright for that long. And then they don't use Taylor enough, to be honest. They should be doing what Tennessee are doing. There should have been 30 carries for Henry and 30 carries for Taylor, but it was 10. So there's obviously something wrong. They might be thinking that they're going to take the ball out of Ryan's hands, put it in Erlinger's hands, and then maybe get more like the 30 carries, Taylor, and maybe try and address Indy as the run team that we thought they would be this year. But there's something obviously not quite right at the Colts. Um, Pittman, Campbell, they're doing fine, but it's, just, it's just not quite working. So maybe it is Matt Ryan. I guess we'll find out in the next few weeks. There was talk that he's got a bit of an injury anyway, but when you actually listen to the press conference, it's looking like that he's going to give Erlinger the job for the rest of the season, no matter what, even if Ryan comes back in two or three weeks. But they all say that <laughs> if they if they lose the next three games and get humiliated by quite a bit, then 
I would assume that Ryan would be back in the fold again, but it's a hard one to tell. But Tennessee, again, similar to sort of Dallas in some respects, maybe a low-key Dallas. They're ticking along. They're not pretty at the moment, but their defense is playing very, very well. And Jeffrey Simmons is a dark horse for Defensive Player of the Year at the moment because he is playing outrageous football. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are definitely, you know, in one one of these unsure teams, but they seem to be at least, you know, if even if they're only on sand, everyone else is is basically on marbles right now. So they yeah. they seem to be at least relatively sure. Yeah. Um, on to another pretty big upset this week. Um, the Washington Commanders managed to beat the Packers. Um, the, although to be fair, the Packers seem to be losing to everyone right now. There's just a <laughs> mess going on over in Green Bay. Um, I mean, it's weird because the the offense does seem to look like it's somewhat getting going, but obviously not as much as they'd like. The defense isn't quite performing to that high standard we thought it would be at. Um, I mean, is there only one problem here for the Packers, or is the whole team just a mess right now? I think it's just a case of Dave. They tried to put, they've obviously been putting the ball in Rogers' hands quite a bit. They said they're going to go to the ground game more and they went to Aaron Jones. The game hinged, to be honest, because Heineke, they, they were kind of on top. And then Heineke did a throw to Terry McLaurin um, for the, that went for the touchdown. And it literally just seemed to ignite the crowd. And I think that might have been the turning point in that game where. Green Bay kind of lost lost their way a little bit, and it only takes you to lose your way in the NFL for a, a short a short amount of time, and it's quite easy to put up two scores, and that's kind of what Washington did, um, with the Gibson and then the McLaurin one, and then all of a sudden the game flipped on its head, and Washington's defense isn't bad, and they can, they can if they get up they can hold, so. It was just a case of Green Bay at the moment. They just seem to be like quite a few other teams at the moment where they they don't know if they're coming or going. They don't know if they're passing or rushing. And they can't seem to find their feet consistently through four quarters. The first half, they was like the Giants. They they were they looked in control, cool, calm. And then the second half, Green Bay were just all over the show again. So, But it was one of them ones where it could have gone, it's, say, if... Um, Alexander pushed McLaurin out of bounds where he didn't push him out of bounds. And then obviously it, it took 45 more seconds off the clock. Green Bay had that opportunity right at the death where obviously they passed the ball around loads, but they had an opportunity. If they had that extra 45 seconds, then that field goal changes completely the perspective of that game. They might have just snuck it over the line with a 24-23 win. But obviously now everyone is going to be talking about Green Bay being three and four, which Nobody expected this, and apparently it's the first time at over seven games in Rogers' career that he's under five hundred. Well, I mean, it's truly incredible to see them like this. You you think of the Packers as, you know, obviously for the last few seasons they haven't quite managed to make it to the Super Bowl, but they've been top of the regular season standings every year. They've made it to the NFC Championship game at least, pretty much, and they're just um, you know, that they've been a stalwart of the NFC and to see them in the, such a mess with, I mean, obviously they've lost Devontae Adams, but I mean, you've still got Rodgers, you've still got Lafleur, you've still got a lot of that core team there. Um, it is strange to see them just fall apart like this, but at, at the very least, very interesting to watch. 
yeah, it's going to make make that um that division far more interesting for the Vikings if they can obviously coming out of the bye now that there's some momentum there to kick on and they could probably quite handsomely win that that division if Green Bay don't start getting their act together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on to the Jets and Jets and the Broncos. Um, sixteen to nine win here for the Jets. It wasn't, you know, the most entertaining game as most Broncos games are this season. To be fair, <laughs> um, I mean, it's real shame for the Jets here. Breeze Hall was looking in great form, and it turns out he's torn his ACL, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean. Is is that is that a massive loss? Because obviously we we know in this, you know, this day's NFL, running backs aren't necessarily the most important position. But at the same time, he was doing really well for them, and even just you know in terms of the morale, that's got to be a massive hit for them. Yeah, it's a massive blow for them. I think they lost Elijah Vera Tucker. I don't know if you know that as well um, yeah. to a bicep injury, so he's out for the season as well. So they've lost their left guard. Um, that was so versatile for them. He's had, he had snaps at right guard this year and he's had snaps at both tackle positions. So it, he's going to be a huge loss. But basically, the Jets at the moment, even though Wilson's come in and they've won games, it's been the Carter and Hall show for them. And obviously, this defence is playing lights out um, with Source and a few others. But this, this Jets team offensively do rely heavily on their ground game. So... With Hall not being there, it's really going to open things up to see if Zach Wilson can start spreading the ball around. We've got the Patriots next week, so it will be interesting to see if they can do that um, with obviously both of these defences being really good. Broncos again, keeping teams under 20 points is still not winning this offence. I don't know what Hackett's doing, but they need to have a change massively. Hackett can't keep calling plays. Um, be a head coach, a, a rookie head coach, really, and then still call plays. As, he needs an offensive coordinator to come in, changes because that defense is way good enough to be able to compete for a wild card spot. And this offense is just it's all over the show. And if um, Russell Wilson's out for for the next couple of weeks, then might even be all over by the time they get him back after the bye week. So we shall see. But yeah, Denver at the moment they they look they look one of the worst teams at the moment in the NFL. And but it's weird because their defense is so good, but they just they just can't put points up and they can't really turn the ball over. So there's some bad things to have in the NFL. Yeah, I mean Nathaniel Hackett is one of the more confusing head coaching decisions I've seen in a while. Um, I just. It it makes me even more baffled that Eric Bieniemy hasn't been given an, an opportunity yet. Um, I I understand the argument of you know Andy Reid runs the offense, so how much is he really doing? But I mean, surely you say exactly the same thing for Nathaniel Hackett, and it's not exactly like he's brought much in terms of you know his head coaching prowess. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things where obviously you you'd think the NFL has moved on and it would just be the best man for the job at this point. But it's one of those things that you really start to question. Why is Eric Bieniemy I mean, not got a head coaching job yet? And you know, in a, in a heavily majority white head coaching job, I I don't just want to say, oh, every NFL owner is racist. But at the same time, it's like, how is that guy not getting a job? And all of these white guys in the exact same position with much less experience are being getting are getting head coaching jobs straight away, and they're clearly underqualified. 
yeah, there's a lot of underqualified coaches getting jobs at the moment. We there, and there should be a few like Leslie Fraser as well that should have probably a head coaching jobs um, from what he's doing at Buffalo. So, yeah, there's some strange, there's some very, very, very strange acquisitions as coaches, head coaches roles. Um, but I, I actually think Denver might make a change um, because of that new ownerships that's come in. Um, I don't really see them hanging around much. I think they can might be quite brutal this Denver ownership. Um, so since it's obviously changed over since Hackett's been there, so I don't know if really what like these owners. I don't think they really picked Hackett. I think they were just given Hackett. So I think that there might be a change if obviously the team continues to be this bad. Yeah, it's got to be one of the first few occasions where <laughs> you're first year head coach and you weren't picked by the ownership. It's yeah. a pretty, it's pretty special position to be in. Um, onto the Raiders and the Texans here, and it's, it wasn't exactly a highlighted game, um, but you know at the same time, Josh Jacobs, he he clearly loved you know not having the spotlight on him, if it ever was before, but um, yeah, I mean he had an amazing game. Not much else going on here to be honest, but um, Josh Jacobs was the game of his life really at a time where he is playing for a contract yeah the last three weeks um the raiders obviously first first three weeks were really playing into car Devonte adams renfro waller but with the injuries that they've had to renfro and waller they've obviously they were still slinging the ball around it wasn't working so mcdaniel's obviously gone back to his new england roots and thought you know what let's just start running the ball and it's completely changed the dynamics of this team. And obviously you've got Jacobs there, like you said, that's running for a contract. He's running hard. He's running angry at the moment. And he's the last three weeks, he's like top point scorer in fantasy football over the last three weeks for running back. So he is absolutely killing it at the moment. Fair play to Josh Jacobs, but he'll definitely be earning that contract by the end of the season if they continue to do this. And regards to Houston, I mean, they're going to be up there for this number one pick. Mills is just not it at all. Anyone who says that he is, oh, you might give him another year. They're they're in dreamland. Like they need in the NFL, things tick over so quick that you need to make sure you're ahead of the curve. And Houston have got they've had too many picks, too many high picks from obviously this Watson deal and and previously, they need to make that quarterback the necessity in this next draft. And if they means that they have to give up the farm to go and get num- number one pick, I think they should do it because this franchise needs something um, good to happen to them because they've been poor now for a good few seasons. Yeah. I mean, the Texans were pretty consistently picked as an underdog team this off season. And uh, I mean, they've just not showed anything like that whatsoever. Um they've been pretty much where they should have been and it's one of those um, maybe people try to get a bit too cute um, with predictions or whatever um, but yeah the Texans 1-4-1 it's pretty grim viewing for Texans fans unfortunately um, but yeah this, this resurgence of Josh Jacobs I just find it incredible a position running back where you find so many careers ended early that just from wear and tear um, to see him sort of have this resurgence midway through his career, it's pretty incredible. I, I mean, obviously, you know, it's just a few weeks, but it's really great to see, you know, him just come out of back out of nowhere and take the league by storm almost. Yeah, because he wasn't really the bell cow that kind of came in. He, he was never really that for Alabama. 
Um, and he came into the league not really as that bell cow as such. They used him quite a bit in the first few years, but he was never getting the touches that he's getting at the moment. I mean, that's obscene to say that he had 20 carries, 143 and three touchdowns, but he just seems to be really, really playing for that contract and playing lights out at the moment. So, yeah, fair play to Jacobs. All right, Ash, um, on to your team, of course, the Chargers. They didn't have a great week um, losing to the Seahawks. You mentioned them before as one of those teams where we're not really sure quite where they're at right now. Um, mm. They've just got Keenan Allen back from injury. Obviously, you know, first game back, tough to come straight in. Um, but yeah, it's, is it the injuries and you're just taking a bit of time or is is this team not quite there this season? I think it's, there's like a, a lot of things with some, some of these teams. The Chargers are in this group as well where they've injuries have hit and the injuries have hit us but that's not really an excuse as teams have had injuries as well like obviously we Keenan came back um they limited his snaps this week so he played the majority of the first half and very little of the second um I don't know why that is I don't know if that was a coach's decision but it was seemed to be a little bit bizarre why they did it like that um obviously Williams went down JC Jackson looks like he's he's dislocated his kneecap um, on that play, um, which kind of turned the game a little bit in that in that second quarter, because uh, we were kind of pushing back, um, especially with them for that consecutive touchdowns that we had with Eckler and then Williams, and then they went down the end and got that God Godwin, um, sorry Goodwin uh, touchdown, so it killed us off a little bit. And then the second half, we just our third quarters at the moment have been appalling um, in the NFL. Um, we seem to just not be with it when we come out of half time. Again, we didn't, we weren't with it. Our offense wasn't with it, and then the Kenneth Murray, um, sorry, the Kenneth Walker, um, long touchdown run sort of just killed us off. Really, mentally wise, I don't know where we're at, and coaching wise, we're still trying to find what we're all about. Where there's a few teams like that in the NFL as well, but yeah, I'm struggling to know if we're a good team or not because on paper. We have a seriously talented roster. I mean, we've got a lot of them on IR, but there is some seriously talented players on this team. But at the moment, it just just doesn't seem to be working. I don't know if it's... I mean, when Williams went down, we're throwing to people, like you mentioned it with the Giants earlier, where they're throwing to like Slayton and Sims and Richie and things like that. I mean, we're, fr we're fr now slinging the ball around to people like DeAndre Carter, who's five foot nine, Michael Bandy's five foot eight. Like, these are like... Jason Moore, they're like practice squad guys. So it's quite difficult. Maybe the Chargers might look at going into the free agency market, maybe look for, do a trade. But you're, if your um, running back is your highest receiver again the last few weeks, I mean, Eckler's on, I think he's on for like 126, something like that, 126 receptions over the season, which is just insane. Like they just got no deep game, everything's short and intermediate. And we just keep putting ourselves in bad third, third down situations. So it's really frustrating as a charger at the moment because it's kind of like you can see the possibility and it just doesn't seem to be translating onto the field. But there's a lot of teams that are doing it as well, like the Bucks, the Packers, we've mentioned them at the moment. There seems to be a lot of teams that just can't find their feet. So luckily for us, the bye week's come at a perfect time. We need it. Um, the This game was very similar to how the Jags game went, like some in bad injuries, morale's down. So hopefully we can come out of the bye. I think we've got the Falcons after the bye. 
I think we need to come out of the bye and really put on a show and try and sort of knock them off their feet a bit, maybe win by a couple of scores, two or three touchdowns. And then hopefully the morale will kick on a bit where Allen will be a bit more fit and this offense needs to work because this offense at the moment is just not playing well at all. So, which is really bad considering how a lot of people were saying that Justin Herbert was on for MVP, but that's, it's not in the, that's not in the, the, the possibilities at the moment if they keep playing like this. Yeah, I mean, that's rough not, uh, having Justin Herbert at quarterback and not being able to throw the ball deep. Um, you might as well be Oregon from a exactly. couple of years ago. Um, yeah. As, uh, but yeah, I, I, to be fair, the Seahawks have looked decent, that defence. I mean, it's, it's you know, a very young defence, but it, it yeah. looks amazing already. Um, obviously, Tariq Wallen being the star... Really, uh, they I mean, they they've just got, but they've got a few decent players there that just um, you know, just out of nowhere, are really contributing to making this a solid team, and the run game, of course, is you know Kenneth Walker is just incredible. Seahawks look like they're onto one of the best draft classes in recent years. Oh, I would say so. I mean, they were talking it, that it rivaled their 2012 one where they drafted Wagner and Wilson and um, Lane and. There was a couple of other guys that they drafted that were all uh, Bruce Irving and stuff that they all did really, really well for them. Obviously, quite a few of them were the Legion of Boom and that 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 sort of era um, that got them to the Super Bowl and won them the Super Bowl. So, but this draft class, if I'm honest, if you look at actual sort of straight away um, that they've literally just come in and hit the ground running. I mean, you could argue this is the best draft class um, that Seattle have ever produced. Um like you said, you've got Kenneth Walker, Bowie, Mafe, Woolen. The two tackles have been immense for them, Lucas and Cross. It's, it has been, they have been a real surprise, Seattle, um, just with how they kind of like a little bit less well-coached <laughs> Giants in some respects, <laughs> like similar to the Jets and stuff like that, where they just, these players that they've, like Geno Smith and that, people have been writing these some of these guys off and they're, young and fresh face and they don't really know what to expect and they've just hit the ground running and Seattle to be fair they definitely deserve to beat the Chargers it wasn't like it was oh Chargers were bad they were bad but Seattle were very very good uh, Geno Smith done hardly anything wrong 20 out of 27 that one in, that one interception was unlucky that Kenneth Murray picked off um, but other than that Seattle were just very well coached and they were just on it all game a fair play to Seattle they, they definitely deserved the victory yeah, and it's mad to hear, you know, the sentence the Giants have better coaching than uh, the, the, the Pete Carroll-led Seahawks. It's, uh, you know, obviously he's been a stalwart of that team for ages and, you know, massive reason why they went to the Super Bowl multiple times with yeah. Russell Wilson, of course. Um, on to the Chiefs and the Niners, probably one of the sort of big heavyweight games going into the week. Um, the Chiefs look pretty comfortable here, really. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't really built to keep up with that kind of pace. Um, but it was Nicole Hardman who was doing all the work here, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, if I'm honest, that in the second half, he was just, it was just outrageous what he was doing. Yeah. Um, the, the Chiefs, when they get going, they're one of the prettiest teams to watch in the NFL. Um, which is painful for me to say, obviously being a Chargers fan, but they they 
it was quite bizarre in the first half. Obviously, San Francisco went up with the lead. McCaffrey was running the ball well. They were getting the ball to Ayuk, Debo, and every, and it seemed to be working for San Francisco. And obviously, with the INT for Mahomes early on, wasn't quite clicking. And then all of a sudden, it kind of got to halftime. And you had that weird third down kick from Kansas City that they missed on a third down where they had an opportunity still to go. I don't know why they why they went for the kick on a third down rather than a fourth down. I don't know why, but it was kind of a little bit bizarre. And from that missed kick, it kind of like spurred the Kansas City Chiefs to this mental run of so many points unanswered. It was ridiculous. And like you said, Garoppolo's not really built to get into shootouts. That San Francisco aren't built for this. Um, and they there were some key mistakes. Obviously, Garoppolo got intercepted right on the goal line. It, it wasn't pretty in that second half from Garoppolo, um, and Kansas City just ran away with it in the end. And they, when they're on song, Kansas, they are they are the dark one of the um, one of the darlings of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where you look at it and you think, what if Trey Lance was playing this one, and the Niners had that, you know, a really sort of dynamic offense going on. Especially, you know, if you think about it now, Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel all in one offense, that would be uh, pretty scary. But yeah, I think it's going to take a couple of weeks for McCaffrey to really get going here. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, George Kissel as well, National Tight Ends Day, I completely missed yeah. him out. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Niners offense um, can be really good if they've got the right quarterback. Obviously, Jimmy G isn't that guy. Um, and they've pretty much said as much. Um, but yeah, I, it's just one of those games where you just look and think if Trey Lance is back and he's you know at a, a really good level, like we hope he can be, um, then this game would, would would be one of the highlights of the season. Yeah. So on to Sunday night football. Um, Dolphins and Steelers wasn't a particularly high scorer. Um, two is. First game back, he you know gets the win. Solid performance from himself against what is a pretty good Steelers defense. Um, I mean, decent win for the Dolphins, or are you just sort of you know going through the motions on this one? Well, obviously Miami needed to get back on track a little bit with obviously what's happened since Tua went down. Obviously they were three and zero at one point, um, and then they lost the last three. So Miami needed. With Tua back, they needed to show something at home, basically in front of a poor Pittsburgh team, really. Obviously, Pickett came back from the concussion pro goal, but it wasn't pretty for him again. So we're we're all of us agree it was it was a reach and it was a bit of a bit of a strange one, them going for Pickett, Pittsburgh, but they obviously took him. And now they're gonna have to deal with the consequences in some respects because they're gonna they're sitting there now at two and five. Do they kick the can down the road, see what they got and just get best player available and maybe go for one of the edge rushes. Because they're going to get probably a top five pick. Maybe, like we were talking before, it could be in the top three, but they'll probably definitely be top five to top ten. Worst case scenario, I think. Uh, but Sorry, best case scenario, they'll be top ten. So I think that Pittsburgh now, what do they do? You're, you're kind of like, they're sat there. Are they going to talk they might trade uh, Chase Claypool? I don't really know what they were thinking doing that because obviously now they're going to put, they've made a rod for their own back with, are they going to even address the quarterback position? Because Pickett's, if I'm honest, I don't think he's good enough to do do it in this league. So 
where do they go from here? But Miami, go back to them. I mean, they they had to kick on. They had to win this game. Even obviously, so Buffalo in their divisions and the Jets seem to be the team that at the moment they're kicking on. Patriots starting to slowly creep back into it as well. So this, this AFC East is sort of like performing well at the moment and Miami don't want to get left behind. So they needed this win big time at home. Um, and obviously they, they saw it out in the end. Their defence played well as well. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with two out for the last couple of weeks, it's um really important they do catch up on that time they missed because there was, you know, when it went before that, obviously awful concussion, um, they were looking like one of the best teams in the NFL, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, genuinely in that race, just sort of maybe just, I mean, say I could say just shy of the Bills, but they did actually beat them. So, I mean, this yeah. is like they're absolutely in that race for the FC. And then hopefully um, these last couple of weeks aren't having been too much of a setback for them. And they can get back in that race because um, they're like fun teams to watch. And you'd absolutely love to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, I think they will make the playoffs, actually. I think that they're, they are good enough to string some wins together. And especially, like you said, you get you get two back healthy and they start to click a little bit more on offence and defence once he gets back into the full swing of everything. So I can see him making it. Obviously, Bills are going to probably be the one seed, so that would then put them at the best would be five. So they'd be in that five to seven range. So it's in that who, who are they up against in that five to seven range, personally. It's going to be Miami. It'll be the Jets. It'll be the Chargers. And it'll be maybe like the Bengals or the Ravens, depending on which other team out of that. Um, that South... Uh, not south in the north, but um, they get on. So it'll be interesting uh, last few weeks as a few of them teams, they're obviously all four and three. Miami Jets are obviously five and two, but the, the, they're in a tough division with Miami, New England, and they can all beat up on each other. So it'll be interesting to see out of them four teams, which one of them misses out. I mean, it would be pretty amazing to see three, three AFC East teams in the playoffs and yeah. none of them are the Patriots. I mean, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I love um, all three of our Patriots fans on on this channel, but um, I mean, it would be quite a sight just uh, after <laughs> the years of dominance. Yeah. Um, amazing to see. So, on to tonight's game. Just a quick little preview. Um, as we record this, the Bears-Patriots game is tonight. Um, Ash, I've seen, I believe you've already um, pitch your power rankings so you're clearly not expecting much from either of these two here um, like what what are you expecting if anything um, I expect a New England win um, I think Chicago obviously they they haven't really been doing that much against many opposition at the moment they've snuck two wins out one was against San Francisco which was mental um, but other than that they're not good enough to beat New England don't think they're well coached enough and I think New England will be able to run the ball on him. Let's talk Mac Jones is back tonight. Um, if he is, that will obviously be a positive for them but Bailey's happy he's been playing really well so even if he's not quite fit enough, maybe you don't risk him playing Zappy because it is Chicago. Um, so we'll see but I would assume it would be a New England win tonight. I had them down as a win um, then I haven't put him in my power rankings just because I think that there's a team that are two spots above them in the New York Jets that slid in in my power rankings just because of what they've been producing at the moment. So, but if New England win, then that they've obviously they'll be in and amongst it with a lot of other four and three and three and four teams that are really dogging it out at the moment to try and 
get some sort of identity and some consistency in their performances. So hopefully New England will kick on a little bit, but they're in a tough division in that in that East. Yeah, the Patriots are another one of those teams, like you said, that are really tough to predict at the moment. Um, I mean, maybe this defense is strong enough to get them into the playoff race. And, and, and I mean, I guess you've got to at least consider them as part of the conversation. But you know, they're gonna have to beat the Jets, Dolphins, and the Bills at some point in yeah. order for that to really be realistic. Yeah. Um, and that is sort of the question: Are they good? Are they really on that level? Um, I'm not really sure about that. And the Bears don't seem like they're going to offer much for the rest of the season. Um, I it's one of those things where Justin Fields is having a really tough season. Um, I know what it's like to to have to watch, you know, a quarterback with no support around him who you think might be the guy, but maybe not. Um, and this this the thing is like. Is he? It, there's no doubt, a doubt, no doubt about it. He is playing poorly, um. But again, like, can you really fairly judge him at the moment? Yeah, no, you can't fairly judge him. It, people were saying the same thing about Daniel Jones. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, he's got very similar attributes. He's not, he's not that accurate. Um, but he's got a big arm. He can make the throw, but it's just too inconsistent. And he's got the legs. So, like, obviously, Daniel Jones has been proving it. Fields can run just as well as quite a few other QBs in this league. Maybe not Lamar-like or Josh Allen-like, but he'd probably be in the top five. So, there's attributes there to work with. Problem with Chicago is they're not using it. Like, we talk about well-coached teams. Like, I thought we had, the NFL was this new breed of you find your quarterback and you you build your offense around what the quarterback does well, not try and take a quarterback and then fit him into the scheme that you run. It's all about, that's what happened with Lamar in his first season. Like it wasn't working. And then they brought Roman in and all of a sudden he's a different quarterback. Someone needs to be able to get hold of fields and turn him into a quarterback that would make him, I wouldn't say he's going to be Lamar or Allen, but he could probably be top 15 in this league. If someone got hold of him and used him, correctly but Chicago at the moment they're they're not using him well at all the offensive line's bad don't really use him very well in the run game it's more scrambles than anything it's just not a very well coached team Chicago at the moment that's why New England should probably win out handsomely tonight yeah as you see uh, Rex Ryan making Daniel Jones comparisons to Lamar Jackson this week <laughs> um, I, I mean he's having a great season um, but Lamar Jackson is just another level again for, I think, you know, even if Fields and Jones do turn out to have decent careers, I I, I struggle to believe he was getting the Lamar Jackson talent level. Um, but you never know, maybe they prove me wrong, and <laughs> I'd love to see them do it. Um, so that's it for Mazda for this week. Um, any parting words for us, Ash? Uh, hopefully that everyone has has had a good week. Their teams will hopefully start finding their feet. I'm glad the Chargers are going into the bye. Um, but again, we are obviously got a London game this week as well. Um, so maybe we'll see a few of you there. Any first 10 listeners and bits and pieces. Obviously, hook us up on a DM if you want to meet for a beer, have a chat or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it'll be good to see a few of you. But, yeah, hopefully everyone is enjoying. We're now, what, we week seven. So, yeah, we're, we're racing through this season. 
yeah, you mentioned all the people who are hoping their teams find their feet. Um, it's quite it applies to quite a lot of people at the moment. Um, but luckily, I'm not one of them. And <laughs> with that, I will leave you. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you in a bit.